everyone, and welcome back to another episode of NR1990. This is a podcast where your two hosts are ranking all of the alternative albums of the 1990s and trying to do it without awkward public radio pauses. Yeah, that's a hard pass. I was just giving you the office on that one, letting you letting you get your your word in. Don't don't say any names. I, no, I I said I said I said what I said. Get, get back from the mic if you're gonna I, talk I, like I, Mr. T. Jesus, I, I, I fucking turned my head. This <laughs> microphone's too omnipresent. <laughs> oh man, we were just listening to the worst band that I've ever heard, possibly. And the thing is, there are many children who will hear that band. Oh, the comments on that video were all, there's no justice in the world that this isn't the most popular band on earth. People suck. You know, like, like, look, I listened to a lot of shitty metal when I was a youngin, and I have healed since. (laughs) I I, I was, I was- You were 10 years old when new metal was happening. Oh, yes, but I was also a teenager when people were still listening to new, new metal. So well, I it, thought by the time you were a teenager, emo emo was the th- or screamo it, was the thing. It had mixed. I mean, <sighs> seriously, when I was fifteen years old, I was literally singing for a screamcore band. <laughs> so, like, I mean, I will take screamo over new metal any day because <clears throat> I said screamcore. I I don't know what the difference is. <laughs> And I bet that, and which also had some black metal influences, <laughs> which I only really did the black metal songs. So there we go. I don't know what that band. Well, I I I saw I read that band's name. I don't know how to say it, and if I try to say it, I will mess it up in a way that people listening to this would not be able to go and find it and laugh at it. But it was like soy facing Slipknot. Uh, that's not the name of the band. That's just what they no, are. but that's what that that describes their music. Like guitarist just soy facing nonstop while the senior death metal raps, and basically nobody can play their instruments. And there's a keyboard player slash record scratcher who is the dabbing Joker. It's 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 none of it's good. Don't do this. It's don't so make music bad. this way. Don't yeah. Don't you cannot revive new metal because while it was popular. It was always a, a joke. Like, yeah, new metal is always bad. The only people who took it seriously. The frontman from Static X is dead. Let it die. Yeah, Fred Durst makes movies now. Oh God, I forgot about that. <laughs> it's it, the singer from Lincoln Park is dead too, isn't he? Uh, yes. I think the rapper is not the singer. Okay, I, I don't remember. We're gonna we're gonna talk about new metal next week, though. Oh, are we really are you gonna make me do that? I mean, I think we kind of have to because oh. the album, one of the albums we're doing next week is. Uh, well, I feel much better about the album I chose for is next gonna, week. Is gonna lead into some discussion of new metal. <laughs> anyway, that's that's next week. This week we have much better albums. <laughs> well, debatably. Uh, one of them, the first one we're going to do is definitely better than than what we're doing next week. And I think the second one is probably going to... I have, I don't have hard opinions about the second album. I, I, just... I don't have, we'll get there. Yes. All right, so our first album this week, we're going to talk about um, the most un-new metal thing that, <laughs> that we can talk about on this show, which is the first, no, no, not the first, first album of the 90s by James, which is... Goldmother slash James, and you wanna you wanna explain that? All right. So James is a, a Manchester band, a band from Manchester uh, that released their third album, Goldmother, in 1990. It was exclusively released in the UK and European market. By 1991, the album had been re-released with a different track listing in the ca- Canadian. And American markets, and also was re-released in the UK market. In the U- in the US market, it was called James, uh, and it's the I think their first album that was actually released in the US, which makes sense. It would be their debut album. It was like the post Manchester, like diving into Britpop level. Well, this was the height of Manchester when Goldmother came out. Yes, but when it released in 1991, Britpop was already starting, and that was when the, the, that dovetail happened. Yeah, Manchester was kind of... Uh, I don't know exactly... I mean, I feel like Manchester kind of got killed by grunge to some extent, too. It like, did. It was, it was such a, like, drug-fueled 
party scene that it was kind of never going to last very long. It also kind of got replaced by raves to some extent. Yes. Like, there was a lot of crossover between... Well, the sound just got, like, it just diffused across the UK in a way that, like, many bands from many places were making very similar music. It was just, they... Manchester, I feel, is very defined by the singers not hiding their accents, which is something that James doesn't do. Even though the the singer's accent is not particularly pronounced, it it, it was sort of a a wave of British music sounding like it was made by British people. And I think that's good. And it's something that we should all strive to do. Just don't hide your accent from when you're doing things. And so this album, I I spent a good, like, week deliberating which James album to do. And then I real then I remembered that there were two different versions of this one fucking album, and I'm like, I'm gonna do the American one because I think it's better. And Natalie was like, We're gonna do the original one because that's what we should do. Because it's first. And then I was like, Okay, <laughs> but I'm correct in putting the one that I put on the playlist on the playlist because it's better. Cut to your opinions of this album when you only heard listen to Goldmother. Yeah, well, so I I, I softened a bit. I, like I listened to Gold Mother again this morning, and I was like, "Okay, this is this is fine." Um, but yeah, at first I fucking hated half of this album, and I still think that the the North American release is the vastly better product. It has a vastly better track order, vastly better production. Just like everything is, it cuts off the worst song. Well, I don't know. I I think Gold Mother is real, real bad. Um, but I mean, the song <laughs> Gold Mother is real, real bad. It is. Crescendo is terrible. And it's not on the North American release because somebody made a very good decision. So <laughs> that same person should also have cut half of Gold Mother out because that, tra- that track is eight minutes long and it runs out of ideas four minutes in. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my feelings that Gold Mother is the inferior product and, and just the the North American release is so, so much better and and really the only way to listen to it. Yeah, and I feel this album is kind of a harbinger of, like, what Britpop is going to become because it's very, like... So, Natalie's going to fight me on this, but I'm going to say it now. I feel that James has a a very distinct influence from, like, The Smiths and Duran Duran, and it's coming... Adam and the Ants, and it's all, like, in this one weird pot when it comes to this album. I'm only fighting you on Adam and the Ants. And uh, they're definitely inspired by the Smiths. Like, remember it's, it's, that- it's in their percussion. Some of their percussion is very, like, when it's not very Duran Duran, it's, 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 hitting, it's hitting Adam and the Ants. Remember that band Pale Fountains I mentioned yes. last week? Well, one of the members of Pale Fountains joined the band for Goldmother. Nice. Because they expanded from a four-piece to a seven-piece. But there's definitely a lot of like the singer, the lead, the singer of James has a definite Morrissey thing. Yeah, and it's so hard to edit the last minute. (laughs) So if you didn't hear an edit there, we got very lucky. (laughs) So yeah, so James has some definite Morrissey influences, has some definite Duran Duran influences coming through. I think particularly hard in Government Walls and God Only Knows. There's a lot of just like Duran Duran in those songs. God Only Knows? Yeah. That, that song is so man, so Manchester. I, I feel that like you haven't listened to enough Duran Duran because like a lot of Duran Duran has that same percussion. and It's also very... I don't know. I was going to say it was... And sounding like the wonder stuff but i'm not sure if the wonder stuff predated this album so but yeah um, the, but but throughout the but i think throughout the album there's a lot of like when tim booth is not singing like morrissey he's singing a lot like simon levon and it like he obviously doesn't do an impression but there is a way that he sings that like i think sit down is the best mixture of the two styles because he's definitely doing a morrissey voice and then there's just some Simon voice that comes into the background. And I like it. And I think that's why I like James so much, because it's clearly a band that took influences from the 80s. Because they started in 82. Like, that's how long they'd been a band by the time they'd released this album. And they were still trying to feel their way 
through the music they were making. And I felt we would do injustice to James if we didn't do this just fucking problem of an album first. <laughs> yeah, it's really weird because their their first album came out in 86. And if you know about the C86 sort of, I don't know if you'd call it a movement, but the the style of music epitomized by the NME C86 cassette that came out in 86, obviously, and had bands like, you know, The Wedding Present and Primal Scream and uh, Half Man, Half Biscuit and, like, a bunch of, like, mid-80s British jingle pop. And the first James album is just totally that. Yes. And the second album is really, really good and way better than this album. <laughs> but it came out in 88. And it was also, it was still jingle pop, but it was kind of more mature than the sort of super fast strumming style of C86 jingle pop. And yeah, so this album was them going full on into Manchester slash baggy beat. Well, actually going half-assed into Manchester <laughs> Manchester slash baggy beat. Um because there's like two songs where it's a really heavy influence, one of which is not on the American version. Actually, it was Lose Control on the, the North American release. I don't remember. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so Come Home, which is the first song on Gold Mother and the second song on James, is the most baggy beat yes, Madchester track on the whole album. It's got the. Dun, 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 like major piano chords and and the the beat and then like the wah wah guitars and just everything that you think of when you think of you know whether you're thinking of Happy Mondays or EMF <laughs> it's it's or or if you're me the farm you know it's 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 all there. Yeah, and, and if you listen to Sit Down, that's what they they sound like for the rest of their career. Right, and what they kind of sounded like before this, yes. but not as, it, it hadn't progressed as far as, as they that. They hadn't honed it the way that they yeah. do. Like, Sit Down is a, a sign that they're going to hone it. It's like, uh, oh, I can't remember the name of the song, but there's one where it's like, so you may be gorgeous, you may be famous, you may be gorgeous, and it's basically like taking the piss out of like pop stars on this album no it's in one of the later oh, albums okay. uh but like that's like sit down brought into the fore and i like james a lot i think their lyrics are better after this album but i don't think they're abysmal here um because there's a lot no, of the lyrics are fine on this album yeah there's a lot there's a lot of just like i'm really it, there's a lot of angst in the way they're writing here, but it's not like that kind of like angsty, annoying angst. It's more just like no, it's kind of cheeky about it. Yeah, so like hope that God is. I hope that God exists. I hope and I pray, and then that is completely undercut by other songs in the album. They're just blisteringly atheistic about their approach to religion, and it's like it's clearly showing this dot this 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 progression in thought of like I would like for these ideals and these dreams to be real, but like my reality shows me that people are corrupt and terrible, so they're probably not. And that's what Government Walt is about, that's what God Only Knows is about, like, it just feels like this thing is, like, spinning around of what early 90s Britain was a was a was about. It was just a lot of just, like, feeling completely ripped apart by religion and government and not, and knowing that you should be against the things that were anti-people. And so... <laughs> Yeah, well, it's weird because on Gold Mother, it starts with Come Home and then goes on to Lose Control, which all I really have to say about that is it sounds like an electronic B-side. Um, <laughs> and then they get to Government Walls, and that's where you feel them just totally lose interest in being a baggy beat band mm -hmm. and, like, never go back to it. Um, and, like, I don't like Government Walls. I, I, the, but that's, that's the thing a... I have in my notes is limply anarchistic. But that's also why I feel like they're the most, like, Duran Duran is like a Duran Duran B-side. I mean, because... yeah, Duran Duran is pretty limp in, in a lot of ways. Bitch, I'm gonna fight you after this podcast, <laughs> motherfucker, I got a knife! <laughs> but God Only Knows is the much better version of that. Yes. Like, I mean, whether or not it was influenced by the Wonder Stuff, that's what it sounds like. Um, it is, it's very much a Wonder Stuff style song, only longer. Um, and, like... 
the televangelist samples is like a thing that got super played out as the 90s progressed but here it wasn't yeah this was very early in that whole and we're gonna do some of that in yeah. next week's album too which is yeah but i feel is a probably different... both of next week's albums yes. in fact. <laughs> but it's gonna be a different effect for at least for mine i mean lots of bands sampling televangelists in the in because the there's a lot of like you know stress about religion and it's overbearing uh presence in pop culture yeah I, you know what is interesting to me the only artist i know of who referenced the moral majority by name was momus and he didn't have to deal with it like the moral majority was an american thing i think he just but knew all, it was going to be a problem all these bands write songs about about televangelists and never mention the moral majority and it's really we i mean i guess because a lot of them aren't american but and and Momus mentioned it in John the Baptist Jones, which when did that song come out? Like eighty seven, uh, which was right <laughs> like, after. So the uh, so he was prescient about yeah. That the moral majority <laughs> actually hit around the eighty three to eighty six, and so Momus was like right on the pulse of that one, and yeah. so because Momus fucking knows. This is why we like Momus. Like, Momus reference of the week. Dun 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 dun. I mean, it was we couldn't avoid it with talking about James. It, no, because there's a lot too of too much of the same scene. Yeah, and really, there like James is like an amalgamation of all the bands that I like in another band, and I'm here for it. <laughs> like, I, I'm really forgiving of this album just because I I can feel the essence of other bands in it, and it's one of the few. I'm not gonna say there's some Roxy music here, which I mean, it's Duran Duran. There's Roxy music there, but. Oh shit! I'm gonna put a fucking Duran Duran album on this fucking show at some point. No, you're not. Duran Duran's a pop band. God damn it! <laughs> but yeah, I did want to call out because what I like about uh, God Only Knows is that it's not just a, a Christian bashing song, which is fine. I mean, bash Christians all you want, but it it also like there's a line. Uh, my guru has been sleeping with the depths and, and with sheep while I was fucking celibate, self-righteous in belief. Yesterday he was God, now he's a creep. We fell up on each other, starving for belief. Like, I like that they get into, like, New Age woo and not yes. just, they don't just make fun of Christians. It's, they just take it all, well, I mean, they don't really talk about Islam. But, well, yeah, but there, there's... But, I mean, I'm not saying that, like... Oh, interesting that they don't do this about Islam, like some you, kind of shitty right winger, but like you can be blisteringly atheistic and talk about the shit that you know. It which just is wasn't really relevant to, to British people in nineteen ninety, I don't think. It, well yeah, I mean like the people who are running your fucking curry takeaway are not actually being a problem. Yeah. Compared to the people who are trying to legislate against the people who run your dark curry takeaway. And I also like that he says uh, I speak in the name of that white-haired old man in the sky, all or white-haired old man on the clouds, always a man. Mm-hmm. Like, and and just this gives me a chance to bring up my favorite Huckleberry Finn moment when he is writing the letter to give Jim up because he remembers his Sunday school teacher saying you'll go to hell if you don't turn in runaway slaves, and then he just can't bring himself to do it, and he tears up the letter and says, "All right, I'll go to hell then," which is like that's the kind of enlightenment that i'm here for <laughs> yeah it it like, seems outmoded now but like it's incredibly profound in its time it's and something it's, you can still learn from yeah and i mean even for someone my age it was still a thing like you kind of growing up where and when i did i that was something i had i had to have my well go to hell then moment you know yeah i mean i think in my life i didn't really see the luster and magnanimousness of god like I moved around so much, had so many bad things happen. And I was like, if there was a God, this wouldn't be fucking happening. I'm not going to be subservient to something that's putting me through so many fucking tests because you know what? Someone who puts me through that many tests, not fucking worth it. And that has also uh, concluded with the rest of my <laughs> um, academic pursuits because people are shit. But it's, it's a similar sympathy like i understand like when you think about things in any sort of scope like it starts chipping away at your reality which is why christians are massively against people talking uh be becoming worldly i mean that was a, a massive insult leveled against me when i made new friends being like oh your friend is so worldly well it's also why they're so against going to college because if you go to college like you you just can't avoid you know and unless you just completely sequester yourself in like the 
at whatever the campus missionary groups are like but if you just live a normal life and meet people from outside your tiny bubble then like it can't you know yeah. no religious belief can really stand up to that if you're honest about it and a lot of these a lot of these bands that we're going to talk about from metropolitan british cities uh, metropolitan british cities have that kind of perspective on life like they have just encountered too many people to be like i'm gonna fucking hate you and manchester is definitely one of those cities where like there's some bad shit that happens but a lot of people are very open-minded because it is a cultural hub it's the same way as london but less you know extravagantly big and so manchester has a feel to it and there's and it's really alive in this album and i think that's why I wanted to do this one. I, I, I spent a week, Natalie, I spent a week <laughs> trying to fucking figure out which James album to do. And I and I felt this was the right one because it's a problem. It's good in its own way. It's not necessarily the best album. It's clearly, I love one of their albums much more than this. But I love Sit Down so fucking much. Oh, it's it's great. Sit it's Down is like a... a life philosophy. Like, like it fucking just comes at you and you're just like... If you find yourself, like, possessed by madness, sit down next to me. Like, I fucking, yeah. Yeah, I mean, sit down is like, we talked a lot about the, you know, this is in the ten worst songs we've ever done. I, I mean, I think sit down is among the best songs we've, we've had it's on the show. It's genuinely one of the best. And this is why the American release is so much better, because it leads with that song. Right. It's, it's like, fucking just slap you in the face with sit down. And usually I'm not in favor of put the best song on the album first, because you got to build to something. But, like, in this case, it, it works really well. Um, it it builds to their progression as 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 musicians because the instrumentation on Sit Down isn't necessarily the best on the album, but it is lyrically and compositionally the best. While I feel other songs explore what they can do with their range a little bit better, but it's not necessarily as hooky. So the singles in this album are Sit Down and Come and Come Home, or yeah. Oh God, I think Sit Down is like relentlessly hooky. Like that song has been stuck in my head all week. <laughs> I see. I've had um um an amalgam of James songs stuck in my head all week, so I can't really say. But yes, sit down. So great. It's a great song. We should do a like a roundup show at the end of the year of the the best songs of the year. Best songs of our first year. Yes. Oh man, that's gonna be hard. But yeah, yeah, that's not a bad idea. So it's 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 hard work, but it's work <laughs> work worth doing because I'm gonna put the song forward because it's fucking great. Oh yeah, no, I, I I would not fight against that being an, among the best. I mean, I I mean, maybe I'm emotionally attached to this song because I played it in the store that I used to work at, and a woman fucking cried because it made her feel better. <laughs> so that's the power of James, y'all. Listen to James. Yeah, definitely listen to James. Um, but don't listen to Goldmother. Fucking no, don't. Man, that song. So like that song starts out fine, and if it were a four minute song, I would. I wouldn't be crazy about it, but I wouldn't hate it because the first four minutes are like a talking heads pastiche with like, it's sort of like faux Zydeco, but then it hits the four minute point and then it just, they just noodle away for <laughs> another four minutes. And it sounds like Tim Booth is just making up the lyrics as he goes because at one point he says something about like, what what is the like suck my new girl's body or something like that <laughs> yeah and it's like when he says it he's like oh that's something that's a line i can say like there's something in his voice it's like suck my new girl's body <laughs> and then then he just keeps repeating it over and over and it, it's just it just sounds so stoned and not in a fun way like it's just noodling and noodling and noodling on a fucking accordion and i'm just like why is that the title track of your album because <laughs> it's sure I, I, as I shit do. is not the most interesting song on the album i do love a bit of accordion though because come no, home has some and it's like real good but is a thing you want to hear somebody noodle on no absolutely not i i took accordion lessons so i don't have a sense of humor according to my favorite year uh so yeah but i don't want to listen to someone just fucking like rip a hot accordion solo you can't do that 
Oh no, you totally can. Listen uh, to the song. Uh, I, I'm saying that, and then immediately it was like the Tiger Lilies came up and just like punched me in the face. So or the the famous polka by They Might Be Giants has a fucking shredding accordion solo. But yeah, just sometimes accordions are not necessary, and that's that's another weird thing because like I, I wanted to say that like there's like influence from all these prestige British bands, and then there's just like a wisp of of Irish like yeah punk there's it's very um it sounds like a lot of scottish indie bands i mean like i keep referencing the wonder stuff but like it god only knows sounds so much like the wonder stuff uh well, and, well, is a northern city so that that, that makes sense that yeah be an influence. that there would be some bleed over there but yeah, yeah i mean this is if i didn't know that james were from manchester and if the first three tracks weren't Manchester tracks i like i would think this was a scottish band I can I can hear that and definitely his accent definitely because holds. of of Goldmother and God only knows I would be convinced this was Scottish. This made this 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 talking about according to made me realize that I could also do <laughs> Tiger Lily's albums. So. Yeah, and there's plenty of they might be Giants albums that will we will get to that we haven't done yet for an important reason that we won't talk about until yep. it happens. I'm just I'm just stabbing in the dark with my music <laughs> at this point. But yeah, we should probably rank this fucking album. I I. I really like James. I don't like Goldmother. <laughs> and it's just, it's, it's there's a power into how you arrange stuff. And yeah, so I wasn't sure, like I hadn't, when, when I told you how I was feeling that like Goldmother sucks, but James is awesome. Um, and it was all because of the track order or mostly because of the track order. I figured out what it was because Goldmother starts on a bummer. Like mm-hmm. Come Home is good. But then it it's like the first three tracks are them trying to do the popular style and just completely getting bored with it. Yes, and which is why starting and James with... doesn't do that because it starts with sit it starts with sit down, which is a more traditional James James song. Yeah, because like that's the style that they started with, the style they hone and like progress with, and that makes you want to th- like when you when you list top tier James songs, that's gonna be one of them, and like say something. Which, if you haven't heard Say Something, fuck. That's a good song. <laughs> yeah, there are songs on the album Laid that are better than the song Laid. Yes. Um, it turns out they shouldn't maybe not name their albums after songs. Yeah, Laid is actually a good <laughs> song, though. Like, yeah, Laid, Laid's fine, but like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull Laid, up... Laid is the good version of Crescendo, actually. <laughs> because the things I hate in Crescendo are the, the forced falsetto, which I really like on Laid. Um, but yeah, like having it kick off with a song that's like, we're still the James you love, but now we're going to try this other thing and let you hear that. And then we're going to go. So it's like you get come home and lose control. And then it's like, but you kind of know because you heard sit down that they're going to get back to that. And then they do by the end of the album. So here's, uh, the, uh you know, we, we haven't really done this, but I want to like do the Spotify numbers on this one. So James is not like an irrelevant, unheard of band. Uh, so laid eighty three million hits. It's just laid is the only song that ever got played on the radio. And sit down, forty two million hits. So like it's one two, and then say something. The one that I really like is ten million. So like James is fucking there. They're just not super fucking popular. It's, it's yeah. I think that most Americans probably think of them as the one hit wonder that made laid. Also, oh, okay. So there is there is an album they did. Uh, where there is a the the album is the name is the name of a song. It's called Hey Ma. Hey Ma is really good. It's from two thousand eight, I think. Uh, that song is very dark, and if you don't like going to war, it might be a song you want to listen to. But that's an album that functions. They do this. They did this for the rest of their career. So. <laughs> All right, well, where do you want to... Because I, I still think we're probably going to fight a little bit about ranking this one, but where do you think it goes? Scroll up! Okay, we're already... Yeah, you're already higher than I'm willing to go, but... Uh, that's a, you know, it doesn't mean anything. I might be uh, putting it around uh, 34. Um, well, I think it's better than Marcy Playground. Um Okay, uh, then we can go around... I think it's 
Hit me with your numbers. Hit me with your best shot. Um, I would probably do... Twenty-eight. So I'd put it between Fox Space Alpha and We Are the Music Makers. I think it's a good place for it. I was shooting low because I thought you hated it so much. No, I'm fine with anywhere in that range. I honestly. thought you were going for like top fifteen. No, I just needed. I couldn't see it. So oh, okay. <laughs> Dyslexia. I have you. I have to see certain order to be able okay. to function. But yeah, so that's what I was shooting for. So, okay, cool. Yeah, cool. that, that yeah. sounds good to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so they'll put it between Fox Base Alpha by Saint Etienne and We Are the Music Makers by Joy Electric, and it will be our new 28. And let's get that on the list and then come back to talk about Suddenly Tammy. back for our second album of the week which is the self-titled debut album by suddenly tammy from 1993 um in the very likely event that you've never heard of this band uh they were founded by um beth and jay sorrentino a brother and sister uh beth is a pianist and the vocalist and jay plays drums and then they're joined by a bassist named ken heitmuller where's the bassist in this in this album is that a joke? Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> I was like, because my main criticism of this album is about the bass. So <laughs> if I was like, if you seriously couldn't hear it, I was going to be really surprised. Anyway, this was released on Spin Art Records, which is like a very nerdy indie rock label. Uh, probably best known for the Apples and Stereo. Um, but like, oh fucking god damn it! Everyone from the Magnetic Fields to the Pixies have have put out albums on Spin Art over the there years. There was some production on this fucking piece of shit that sounded so much like the Apples and Stereo. <laughs> I like the Apples and Stereo. I don't like Suddenly Tammy. At least this album. I think you'll like their second album better. But we, I mean, there's really only two in the '90s. There, they put out. There's potential here. They were a. Uh, they were a uh, another. Um, primitive radio god situation where they got signed to a major label and then put out one album and then recorded their second album and then the label like cut half their artists all at like in one week at the end of 1996 and so the second album didn't get released until like 2008 or something but um that makes sense yeah when the when they kind of like self-released it um so it's they're very jazzy. Um, mm-hmm. They're I think their dad was a jazz musician. Um, someone in the family was I don't remember off the top of my head. Pretty sure it was the dad. It's um, like so like my I'm gonna try to interject, but like the, the main criticism I have in this album is it feels like someone who was forced to play piano their whole life, just <laughs> trying to make it work and make music they want to make with it. Which I know someone who has that life and i know exactly what that music sounds like and that's what this music sounds like <laughs> yeah i mean it's 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 not jazz in the sense of like lots of solos because there really aren't um but it, it's jazz in the sense of like piano bar jazz but like okay there's a song imagine an indie rock piano bar and that's the album <laughs> yeah this band i'm gonna I'm a, I'm a pull, I'm a pull it up i'm gonna pull it up because there's a there's a there's a definite uh, uh, fucking I don't give a shit Spotify what the fuck are you fucking doing I don't apologize for my language by the way uh, what's up why would we start now um oh, like while you're looking that up though it's like it's instrumental it's instrumental there's like oh one instrumental it's, it's is not, not a <laughs> it's not a fucking instrumental song two there is a uh, chorus break that is just like fucking jazz that's one of my favorite songs on the album so i hope you didn't hate it okay (laughs) (laughs) so so i have the opposite criticism of this album that i did about the gold mother track listing which is that like it just how that album just peters out more and more the longer it goes on this one's in reverse order the yeah this one the back half of the album is so much better than the and so much more diverse than the the first half um but yeah like their sound is a lot of piano arpeggios and then then the bassist man the the bassist on this album (laughs) 
is so much snapping. It's, it, it's like the bass takes more of the mid-range of the sound and kind of lets the piano handle the low end and the high end and, and the bass is in the middle, which is weird. And also whoever... Put a guitar there. It's, okay, so what I think happened on this is it's an indie label I, and the band would not have had a ton of money. I think that what probably happened is that they recorded this live more or less um they might have overdubbed the vocals later or something it definitely feels like but way. it feels like they set up for one song and then never changed mic positioning or levels on the board and they just played through their set um I... because there are so many places where the bass needs to get fucking turned down because the bass has a lot of dynamic range and in the quiet points, you can barely hear it. And on the loud parts, it's just blasting the fucking mix apart. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And, like, I think, like, seriously, like, Stacy's trip sounds fine. It sounds mixed relatively okay. And then from that point on, it is not mixed well. And it is just... <laughs> Except for instrumental, weirdly, but... I, I, have some, I have some qualms with that song, just... Because they call it instrumental, I think that is it's probably why. I'm like, I, I don't. Is she saying words though? Because I can't understand the lyrics. At she all is saying one. words. Because okay, so so that's later in the album. But we'll just fucking jump to it now because I had things in my notes about it. Um, so the piano is run through chorus on that, like a fairly high speed chorus. So it's got that like sound, and it sounds. And then she's singing, you know. Is that soprano? I think I'm not good at knowing. Like, she is a soprano, yes. Yeah. Okay. So she's singing soprano unintelligibly, and a piano run through a chorus. It sounds like Harold Budd and the Cocteau Twins collaborations. Uh, I guess. I I guess I just couldn't get over this, like he. I don't know if you've listened to the Moon and the Melodies or not, but like not that, recently. That Harold Budd and the Cocteau Twins album. It, that's what it, this sounds like. Just I mean, without I, the guitar. I can hear that, and I guess what was throwing me off was just, like, it was the one time they decided to roll out some fancy fucking chords. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, I'm not here for your fancy fucking chords. You fucking... <laughs> I'm so disillusioned at this point that you should have put this out, this song further up the fucking list because I don't care. And I think that that, that is mainly my attitude towards that song. It's like, it's not a bad song, but, like, I don't care by the time it comes down to that part of the part of the album yeah and i think i can appreciate it more because i i do like this band um i i never owned this album i i bought I, like i found out about them when they debuted on when they had their major label debut and at that time you know there weren't stores in this area where you were gonna find spin art releases <laughs> yeah. much to my chagrin um but so yeah i had so their major label debut fixes a lot of these problems so i'm way more sympathetic to to them um and so listening to this i had the patience to get through the first half so so the first track stacy's trip that's the whole first half of the album like yes, it, it, every it, song sounds song. just the same <laughs> it, it like that's not that's, we're not exaggerating it's like same chord progression yeah i do think that um same warbling fucking nonsense is, vocals. Oh, it is not warbling. She's an indie rock singer, basically. Um, what is the? I know I put it in my lyrics or in my notes. Jesus Christ! No respect, girl. That's the song I was trying to think of. Um, I, I think that's like a standout in the first the first half. Also, that is like separate enough from uh, Stacy's trip to like make an impact on you. Uh, I mean, yeah. not you personally, obviously, but like yes, I'm a, I'm a cold-hearted bastard, but that's the I can agree. Uh, yeah. My other big complaint of this album is that there are fucking forty-five second spacer tracks. There's one of which one. is no, there's two. Um, let me get my mind. Oh yeah, there's intro to baby. Is the intro to one. baby, yeah, and like that's the one I had the most. And the most complain about. Like, I didn't. I really didn't like that song. Ever. I mean, not the intro because the intro is so short. Who cares? But baby, like I, I, didn't, I thought it was like a bad song at first, and then I liked it the it's, more it's I listened a, to it. It's a fine song, but I don't. So this this may be me, but like if you have to give your song a fucking intro, 
Like, so the Divine Comedy does this um, on Casanova. There's the theme from Casanova. And it's at the end of the album. <laughs> and I, I like how that's done. Which is sort of like encapsulating the rest of the album and making it a thing. And here, this is pointless. Did, did your song need an intro? Put it in the song. Yeah, I know. I'm. I know. I'm coming off as overly mean on this album. I'm not intending to be. Like, I. It's. it's, it's it, which is. I mean, I didn't think you would like it very much, just because it's not really your your style. But like, it's so funny because this is like the nicest music. <laughs> like, I'm not a nice person. Like no. Beth Sorrentino seems like she would be like the nicest person to hang out with. <laughs> no, no, I, I get that, but it's just that I can't with music that is overly cheerful. And well, yeah, it's it's it very a, no drama. Like a lot of her lyrics are about like family and interpersonal relationships, but it's like so not of the time in that. Like is she just is she's like way too well adjusted to have been famous in the nineties. But that yeah, and that that's kind of this is not a knock on the artists, but it is a knock on a sentimentality that. I personally have a hard time with people like, you know, it's going to be okay. It's going to be fine. Like that mentality just makes me want to fucking scream. I don't think that's what this, this but doesn't say that to me. But it invokes it. it like it, it, it's there. It, it doesn't to me at all though. I, I, I also don't like stripped down instrumentation where it's just like a piano and a, and a drum and a bass because Heavily piano forward music goes one of two ways: either it fucking rocks or it doesn't. This is not rock. <laughs> I'm um, sorry. So I think the, where the album like hits its turning point. I mean, I think No Respect Girl is really really good, but then a couple of tracks later is Disease, and I think Disease is where it gets like really good and oh, stays I agree. really good for the rest of the album. Like Disease is they're separate songs, but Disease just flows right into the song after it, which is Lamp, which was the single, which I think I actually have a 12-inch single of that song. <laughs> I, I did at one point. I don't know if I still have it. Um, and that's like a highlight of the album. Um, and, and just the way those two flow into each other, because Disease is just her singing and then piano and a cello. And then it, and then Lamp, it kicks back up to a similar style as like Stacy's Trip, but, but better. Um, and I, I really liked that song because like, I, I really just like Beth Sorrentino's lyrics actually, because they are, they have this sort of like cozy artiness <laughs> instead of like, they're not edgy. They're not risky. They're, I mean, they're just kind of her singing about like relatively normal life. I think that might be why I got like an Alanis Morissette vibe from this album is like, there's a, there's a through line, but she's nicer, way nicer <laughs> than Alanis Morissette. <laughs> through line but she's nicer that's an Atlanta song god damn um, <laughs> I hate you sometimes uh, <laughs> but I really like how like the end of Lamp it like picks up and there's like this really bright organ and she's singing now it's my turn to holler which I think is like really nice and also as I've mentioned before the word holler is really funny to me um, and then there's <laughs> instrumental which I love because it sounds it reminds me of Cocteau Twins and Harold Budd. I'm just mad at that song because it's not an instrumental song. So <laughs> the thing is, when I started listening to that, I was like, this is not going to be a fucking instrumental song. And then it wasn't. And I'm like... And then I like Fearless, too, which is like the, the piano punk song. Yeah. With the super atonal vocal harmonies. There's, there's some mad Natalie on this album. It's, like, I think that's a really good track. Um, But yeah, like this last half of the album is so much... There's so much more going on that I... Again, like if you wanna if you wanna understand how important song order on an album is, listen to Goldmother and listen to James. Yeah. <laughs> like the same songs minus one track and just wildly different quality levels of quality. Um and this album just I mean I mean I think the production is a problem on this album. Yes. It's way too flat. Like every song is it, like the production just doesn't. Best Sorrentino is way too far back in the mix because her lyrics are kind of the high point of this band, and you can't hear them most of the time. And I think I think that's probably why I had the reaction I did because, like, it, I will admit it's the mix because it's like it just Stacy's trip sounds okay, and then for the rest of the, from that point forward, it does not sound okay, and you're just like, I want 
to be nicer, but I can't because I can't enjoy this. Yeah. Well, we will get to... And I want to say, I don't hate this album. It's not This is not like a fucking, just like, bottomless situation. Oh, God, no. I'm not letting I'm being, it go that far. I'm no. being, like, grumbly, but, like, I'm not, like, this is fucking cancer to my ears. It's more just like... I would be, I would think you were being disingenuous if you said it was that bad. Because, yeah, Just no. because this is not music that you can hate. Yeah, like, no, 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 I don't, I not, don't hate it. it. Like, I'm just like, ugh. It, it's not exactly music that it's like, that I would say I love either. But like, I, there's, it's so inoffensive that you just can't hate it. Like, it's, it, unless you're just an edgy fuck who is like, that's the worst thing you can be is inoffensive. And then fuck off with that I can be nonsense. annoyed by it, though. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, that's valid. Uh, I mean... I, I'm just annoyed by the way it sounds, but I'm annoyed by all music that sounds that way, so it's yeah, not... Yeah, well, I think the bass... It's not me singling out. I think when you really start snapping those bass strings, yes. it gets kind of annoying because it overwhelms everything else so that's much. That's why I made my bass joke earlier, because yeah. it's just like, ugh. I, st- I thought you were serious when you said, <laughs> there's a bass. <laughs> And I was just going to be like, yeah, you mean the only instrument you can hear on half the songs? <laughs> no, I was not being serious. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, it's time to rank this. Um, so let me see. I'm going to say that the floor for me on this one is 36. I would not put it lower than that. Honestly, I think that's fine. I, I wouldn't. I think Carved in Sand is better than this album. Like, full stop. I think Carved in Sand is better. I would put it directly below Carved in Sand, but... Yeah, I, I, I think it's better than the Divine Comedy, though. The album, the Divine yeah, Comedy. Yeah, I, I think Divine Comedy is ranked too high, so uh, I... Yeah, I don't. I, I, but, so I'm not sure if I would want to put this above Blow Eyelash Wish, because they're, they're very different in... That album is all risk, and this album is no risk. Except for maybe the song Fearless, um... Just I, I because of its atonality. I I mean, I like it a lot better than that Marcy Playground album, but I think that's a hard fight that I don't really want to have. So <laughs> you can't. You're gonna you're gonna have to come come to me and Sex and Candy being. An- I would rather have that fight about their about suddenly Tammy's second album, which is way way better than this one. Yeah, and I, and I'm I'm open to that. It's I just I just don't think this album is reaching much further than blow out last wish so i think it should be right below it yeah okay i'm yeah i'm all right with that that, that, that is a malaise of the 90s that i feel poor poor mission got strangled into so <laughs> okay well so uh 36 then which puts suddenly tammy between blow eyelash wish by love's lies crushing and the divine comedy by mila jovovich in parentheses all right so once again no changes to our top 10 this week, but as is the custom around these parts, I'm going to read it out. Number 10 is Still 10 by Pearl Jam. Number 9, Without You I'm Nothing by Placebo. Number 8, Kill Uncle by Morrissey. Number 7, Superstition by Susie and the Banshees. Number 6, Spooky by Lush. Number 5, Very by the Pet Shop Boys. Number 4, The Philosophy of Momus by Momus. Number three, Liberation by the Divine Comedy. Number two, Get Lost by the Magnetic Fields. And number one is Nonsuch by XTC. And if you want to see our entire rankings, then you can go to bit.ly slash nr1990s. That's bit.ly slash nr1990s. And you can also go on Spotify and search for nr1990s to hear the complete uh, show playlist with all 52 of the albums that we have ranked, plus the two we're ranking next week. Which is what for you, Hadrian? Who loves you? And who do you love? And we're doing the Running Man soundtrack? Yeah, no, we're doing <laughs> uh, 21st Century Jesus by Messiah. All right, and on the rock music side of that, <laughs> I am going way outside of my wheelhouse and bringing Portrait of an American Family by Marilyn Manson. Because we, we, we have to talk about Marilyn Manson at some point. Oh, man. And we have to talk about Marilyn Manson's first album before oh, we can talk man. about the other Marilyn Manson albums. <laughs> oh, man. So, next week, me, y'all. I read the lyrics to this album today. and You're going to regret that. I have things to say about them. 
Um, Snake eyes and sissies. Yeah, there's there's a lot. This album's a whole thing, but but I want to do it. We're gonna when we finally have merch, we're gonna have a shirt that just says this album's a whole thing <laughs> because we have both said that on different occasions. <laughs> If you want merch, though, talk to us about it. Like, fucking leave comments, y'all. Like, I want to know what you think and how much you hate me. Is it's there great. a place for people to leave comments? Well, there's on the you, blog, I you guess. You can leave comments on the blog. You can leave comments on on the iTunes. Yeah, on... I guess I should say, I don't know that I've ever even said that there's a website. It's Lucifer's Larder slash in our 1990s. Um, yeah, come come on down. Harass my lab, my website. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> It's fine. I, I will not read your comments because I don't. I'll read your that's comments my, because that's I my hate personal, myself. Uh, that's, that's my pledge to you. <laughs> we, will, we will never say the N-word and I will never read your comments. That's but, the, but that's I the will. two in our 1990s pledges. I will read your comments because I get email notifications about comments being left on posts, so I will eventually see them because I habitually go through all of my emails at like 2 in the morning because I can't sleep. Uh, so That's why you can't sleep because you're fucking reading emails. It's how my life works, Natalie. It's how my life works, everyone. No, but seriously, like, come to come on, come on down to Lucifer's Larder. I write fucking vegan recipes. Talk about how uh, you should read Poe stories to understand current events and uh, do this podcast. So yeah, yell at us for putting Ween last on the list. No, um, Ween fucking deserved it. <laughs> Ween had it coming. Did fucking right. <laughs> We're doing the Justice 8. Nobody else got the balls to do. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, I'm going to stop talking now because this has been a not great health week for me. Yeah, we were both not great in the health. I've been feeling better today. But hey, we don't have COVID. No, I I got tested. I got the the cotton swab stuck in my brain this week. And and like, let me tell you, the people who say that's what it feels like, they're not wrong. (laughs) <laughs> I've heard I heard some motherfucker saying, "Oh, it's not that bad. I, I got it done." And it's that's just fear mongering. No, it's not fucking fear mongering. It really does fucking hurt like hell. But yeah, it's, turns out there are more effective and better ways to test for this, but it's not the most horrible way. Also, my doctor was not gentle with the swab. There never are. If you've seen my doctor, that's like really exactly what you would expect from her. But like, yeah. She looks like someone who would jam a Q-tip into your brain. <laughs> Hope she doesn't listen to our podcast. I don't think she listens. She, but she get... also has a, a coat hanger tattoo on her wrist, which instantly she was my favorite doctor. After oh, yeah. No, that's great. So. She's no nonsense. Like She's yeah. going to fucking get that swab. You yeah, get that swab, so. honey. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So my throat hurts again. So let's not be here anymore. Have a good night, y'all.